But many companies fail to maintain a basic contract management system that can link the contractor purchase order to the invoice so that the invoice is reviewed in the system by another set of eyes in relation to that contract and purchase order requirements. In other words, so that the invoice is proper and includes terms and conditions that are consistent with the contract. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkov. Well, hello, everyone. This is Michael Volkoff, and I thought we'd do an episode here on one of my favorite minute topics, but actually really important, which is contract to invoice to payment. If you saw my blog posting about this, this was about, I compared it to Tinker's to Evers to Chance, showing my age and being a baseball fan. The concept in the name carries three important procurement to pay concepts, that is, you're contracting and purchase ordering and the terms and the conditions. You're invoicing and matching that to your contract or purchase order and then your payment terms. And at the core of many enforcement issues, particularly the FCPA, we see breakdowns in this process. And we saw some important cases, which I've already talked about, particularly the Oracle case from last year which highlighted the importance of this. So let's talk a little bit first about internal controls and just a little bit of background before we get into the details of this. And I apologize in advance. This is very detailed, but I really want to encourage everyone to pay attention to this issue. Work with your finance procurement, your accounts receivable, your accounts payable people, and put in place controls around this because it will help you, trust me, to identify potential high-risk situations and hopefully to avoid potential problems. But let's start again in just, uh, and I'm, we're not going to do an, you know, an FCPA review, but remember that the accounting provisions of the FCPA are much broader than just bribery, anti-bribery. They include two very powerful provisions in terms of the accounting provisions, which are called the books and records provision, which requires issuers to keep books and records and accounts that in reasonable detail accurately and fairly reflect an issuer's transactions and dispositions of an issuer's assets. Obviously, this applies to public companies. Now, as a private company, I would still urge you to look at this because this is going to be issues that obviously have significant impact on fraud risk and let alone other types of bribery risks that you can be prosecuted for, even not by the SEC, but by the DOJ for criminal violations. Now, the internal controls provision requires issuers to devise and maintain a system of internal accounting controls sufficient to assure management's control, authority, and responsibility over the firm's assets. Now, this is just a fancy way of saying you control your assets, you have to authorize the use of assets, Money is an asset, so therefore you have to have controls surrounding the use, authorization, 
and movement of money to pay for goods and services, obviously. And an effective compliance program, and this is, if you've heard me speak about this, I'm quite concerned that there's not enough coordination between compliance and finance. Finance thinks, hey, we are the masters of our financial controls. You don't need to bug us. But there's always overlap in terms of this. And with sort of the focus on high-risk third-party actions, we're seeing even more need for overlap. There's even more need for coordination. There's even more need for testing and auditing where internal audit or your financial team is more focused on SOX controls for obvious reasons than they are on immaterial transactions that may occur, let's say, with your third parties. So this is where compliance has to push their way into the environment here and start to do and start to take some responsibility for transaction testing, uh, for monitoring, for partnerships related to high value or high risk third parties to make sure that we're monitoring and addressing that risk. Because if you rely just on finance and internal audit, trust me, you're not going to hear anything about this. Okay, so SEC has huge authority here in this area. And this is where we get to the contract to invoice to payment or the tinkers to evers to chance kind of phenomena. And so the SEC knows it has a powerful enforcement tool. They know that they can use this to go after immaterial transactions when there's fraud risk, but more importantly, when or unauthorized use of money, but more importantly, when there's bribery risks. So the accurate records and internal controls requirements have to operate effectively to ensure the proper use of corporate assets. And the SEC knows about these broad requirements. And frankly, there's so many cases they could bring based upon this. It's such a flexible concept. And when you have a circumvention of internal controls, that itself creates serious, serious risks. So let's start. The SEC has obviously, and I'm not going to go through the enforcement history here, but they have used this contract to invoice to payment sort of designation and sort of, I would say, cabining calculation and focus in many FCPA cases. And what they do is they point out the breakdown in this process and the failure to monitor money that is then used for illegal purposes or to properly authorize the release of money that is then used for improper purposes. So what do I mean by that? Sham contracts, sham invoices, sham services provided. We've seen all of the sham word used, shell companies that are improperly used because they are engaged in transactions for which there's no confirmation or documentation. So what this requires is building together a program link by link, step by step, that starts from your third party onboarding process and then continues on to how you onboard people, how you manage the risk that's involved, and then how you process payments that may be used to pay this third party or how you process payments from in terms of revenue that then comes in. But let's take a look at some of the important issues and try to break this down. We're beyond the sort of onboarding process. And one of the things that has to go along with your third-party due diligence program is what I would call a contract management system. And it, I'm surprised at how many companies for example, do not bring the whole process together 
so that you can see what was the price we contracted for, what was the terms and conditions, what was the purchase order, or it could be a purchase order. And not everybody engages in contracts for every service or item that they may purchase. And I get that. But many companies fail to maintain a basic contract management system that can link the contractor purchase order to the invoice so that the invoice is reviewed in the system by another set of eyes in relation to that contract and purchase order requirements. In other words, so that the invoice is proper and includes terms and conditions that are consistent with the contract. And then what about the payment process in terms of who the payment's going to? Is it a bank account that's already set up? Is it properly approved and reviewed before the payment goes out? And we see in this process breakdowns that occur in bribery cases as well as other cases. Go back to the 2012 Oracle case. There was no bribery, but it was a violation of the internal controls requirements at Oracle where there were a number of distributors in India for software products that had off-the-books accounts linked to Oracle where money was just sitting in their account and it was unaccounted for in the sense of it could be used for any purpose. It was not, and there was a bribery risk with regard to that. Now, that ultimately ended up in a $2 million settlement of the enforcement action. So business contracts with third parties or purchase order requirements are important because they set forth the schedule of payments. In other words, how much are we going to pay you for? What specific goods or services are going to be provided? What documentation, in other words, how do we verify that you actually provided the goods or services? Because when we get an invoice, do we know that we actually received those goods and services? And we need documentation, details, verification of the goods and services that were provided and that we must include in these contracts or purchase orders some kind of appropriate certification and compliance provisions depending on the risk associated with the third party and the particular transaction. So remember, we may have onboarded somebody, we may have a contract, we may have a purchase order, and we may start to receive invoices, and we may start to make payments, but before that payment goes out, we want to make sure that there's a set of interdependent approvals and conditions that are met because if they're not met, the payment shouldn't go out. So let's talk about how that works. Let's say the contract requires that there's documentation as to the actual services that were provided. You have a third-party agent trying to bid on a contract, let's say, and that third party then will invoice you for the services that they provided. Your contract or purchase order, hopefully a contract in the case of a third-party agent who's interacting, let's say, with state-owned enterprise, bidding on, let's say, a tender. And that contract will set out, here are the requirements that for documentation, when you submit an invoice to us, that you have to provide, be it detailed day-by-day -day records, what descriptions of the services that they provided. And there has to be documentation of that and that the services were provided. And there has to be maybe a certification from that agent that these services were in fact provided. The price has to be set out in the purchase order of the contract amount. And 
the invoice has to include all authorized types of payments. What we see, for example, with customs is we often, for example, from a customs agent may get an invoice that includes an unexplained or unauthorized item. Suddenly there's some kind of nondescript fee that's included, and we don't know whether or not that's authorized by the contract or the purchase order because we can't find it in there. It's an unexplained type of fee. That situation raises risks, and we have to verify what is this for, why was it charged, why? Because we don't want it to be a way that we're making a payment to a, let's say, customs agent who then in turn turns around and is using this to either reimburse for bribery or had made a bribery payment. So that's why we start our fundamental foundation here is the contract, the terms, and the documentation requirements, and then the invoice and the proper review. We have to set out standards in high-risk situations for how we're going to review these and how we're going to verify them. And then, obviously, if the invoice is approved, then there has to be payment arrangements made that are verified. In other words, that we're going to pay the person properly and we've already reviewed that, say, that banking details. So we link together these three functions for an effective control environment. And the absence, again, of coordination, proper coordination among these processes is the recipe for breakdowns and illegal payments. So let's talk about invoicing when third-party vendors receive invoice when they invoice the accounts payable staff are critical frontline actors now i've seen two different types of situations for accounts payable review of invoices like i said can reveal unexplained charges inflated fees for example you're supposed to pay the agent $600 an hour and all of a sudden you see charges of $800 an hour so this may be a way that they're using to release funds for improper purposes. Now, accounts payable personnel have to have access to contract verification checks or somebody has to verify the contract amount and the invoiced amount to make sure they match. And there then has to be some kind of verification of goods and services provided. Now, I've seen two different types of environments where the accounts payable people will do that verification process, but I've also seen other situations where the business will receive the invoice and then will approve it. What I'm concerned about in that situation is what steps is the business taking to verify the payment of that invoice and that the services were actually provided? Accounts payable people are great compliance partners. I always will, and I would urge everybody to train them, do compliance training, because they already see so many things in terms of what comes across their desks. I've seen two different models for the accounts payable personnel, the sort of more rote payment where it's already verified to another system where the accounts payable person will do the verification process. And that can be very, very important. So procurement plugs into these activities by the onboarding of new vendors and suppliers. Sales staff, for example, brings on new distributors and agents who can create significant risks that require careful financial scrutiny over contracts, purchase orders, and invoicing. So the robust due diligence procedures that begin in the beginning 
are required to confirm the ownership, legal compliance, reputation, and important issues needed to identify and mitigate risk, but also to make sure we have a contract or we have a purchase order or that's the way we're going to proceed, that this is not going to be done on a wink and a nod, that this is going to be documented throughout this whole step. Assuming there are that requirements and that they're met, then we get into the and start then the contract or purchase order to invoice the payment. So also procurement, sales, and financial operations have to closely coordinate on ensuring that the payments are made in accordance with the contractual purchase order terms, that payments are authorized for goods and services delivered, and that payments are made to the proper bank account or company. Now, I said that accounts payable in one model can bring together these important functions and serve as the critical check. And accounts payable personnel should always be relied on in terms of natural allies and open communications, having them elevate red flags to the business and the compliance functions has to be a key priority here because they are on the front lines. And we've seen the training programs for accounts payable staff. And if you ever want help with that, we're happy to do it to ensure familiarity with the legal risks, including the FCPA, sanctions, money laundering, and fraud. And like I said, they're eager to assist and embrace an active role in this compliance arena. On the flip side of accounts payable, we have sales staff on the distribution side who have to develop close working relationships, again, with accounts receivable for collecting sales payments from distributors and agents. Again, these financial interactions raise bribery, money laundering, third-party payment in particular, and fraud risks. Accounts receivable staff actively mitigate these risks and need similar access to reviewing appropriate documentation and contract terms for accuracy. That's a, a pretty deep dive. It's something that you know, we'd love to work with you on. We view it as a high priority right now, particularly out of the enforcement perspective that's come out of the Justice Department and the SEC. So we would urge you to take a good look at your own procedures. Make sure that you, the compliance people, develop a monitoring program and a transaction testing program for these kind of situations and look at your controls literally walk from step by step by step by step. I know it sounds detailed and difficult, but it really is important, and I'd urge you to do so. Anyways, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week with another episode. Stay healthy, and we'll be in touch. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com.